Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features an episode of The Green Hornet called The Voice. We're not sure when it first aired, but it was sometime between 1936 and 1956. So how's that for narrowing it down? Cato with Rick Reed in the thrilling adventure, The Voice. The Green Hornet strikes again. There was great excitement and turmoil at John Waterbury's campaign headquarters. A large suite of rooms on the 18th floor of the downtown hotel was overflowing with newsmen and campaign workers. It's just been announced over the radio in the other room that Payson's going to speak. Come on. 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 But I decided at this time to concede the election to Mr. Waterbury. And my thanks to all of you who have voted for me in this campaign. Thank you, and good night. Quite efficient. 
We uh, called him Pep for short. I brought the recording, Mr. Walker. Very good. Pep, this is Sergeant Burton, police headquarters. Pleased to meet you, sir. How are you? I'll explain, Sergeant. This morning, Pep came to me with a recording, which had come through the mail. It's a threat against my life. No. Yes. Probably the work of some crank. I don't for a moment connect with the opposition. I'd like to hear it. Have you any way? I have a playback machine right here. Uh, put the record on, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, did you try to recognize the voices on it? <laughs> well, it's definitely not Payson or any of the speakers, if that's what you mean. Shall I start it, sir? Yes, let's hear it. Okay. There we are. I am known as the voice. Mr. Waterbury. We'll study that voice and see if we can trace it. Do you really think you can, sir? Sure. All we got to do is find a guy who talks like that, and we'll have the muggle calls himself the voice. Uh, we'll have men up here election night, sir. Plenty of them, just in case. Then you don't think it's just a crank or something? Never can tell about these things, Mr. Waterbury, but it's best to be on the safe side. Just as you say, Sergeant. Just uh, give the record to Sergeant Burke. Yes, sir. Here it is, officer. Thanks. I'm sure you and your men will do everything to protect Mr. Waterbury on election day. That we will, Mr. Tut. Tutwiler is the name. Yes, so it is. Well, as I said, Mr. Tutwiler, we will see that there's plenty of protection around on election day. You can bet on that. And just like Tad promised, he had plenty of cops at Waterbury's headquarters last night. But Waterbury was elected, and boom, they got him in spite of all the protection. I'll say they did. About that recording, actually. Didn't the police get any leads on it at all? For instance, where it was recorded, no? Not that I know of, Reed. Well, let's get in my office. Yeah. Well, why are they keeping it quiet? Sarge says it's hushed up because cops headquarters are hoping that that there voice guy would think Waterbury didn't take the thing serious enough to notify the cops. So what? So he sent another record. Meantime, they'd be watching at the post offices and keeping an eye on Waterbury. But no other record was received. No. I see. What about Payson and his gang? Good morning, Mr. Reed. Oh, good morning, Miss Case. They ran a pretty bitter campaign against Waterbury. Oh, Sarge says they're investigating Payson and his bunch of cars. But most of them were in his campaign office while he was broadcasting. Not three minutes before the explosion. And that office was two or three miles across the city. Yes, that's right. Now sit down. Yeah. About the bomb or whatever. Reed, I was coming to that. This will really make you sit up and listen. Get to the point, will you? What's so startling, actually? As you know, the room Waterbury was using for his campaign office was one of the suites on the 18th floor of the hotel. Yes, I know. It's the only high building in that neighborhood. Now, Waterbury's desk was backed up to a big plate glass window that looked out over the city. With nothing in the way for blocks. Are you really leading up to something or are you just trying to... Wait a minute, I'm listening. The police investigators say if a bomb or something went off on the inside with the window closed, the glass would have blown outward. Well, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. But all the glass from that big window was lying inside on the floor. But if they say that it should be... Again, the what they say now is 
that whatever caused that explosion, bomb or whatever, it crashed through the window before it exploded. Oh, now I get it. Some killer just went by that 18-story window in a plane and tossed it in. Is that it? How do I know? Oh. All I can tell you is what I hear the cop said for. Can I tell you? Oh, but Chief, what he says don't make sense. He's mixed up somehow. We ought to... Now, hold on, Gunner. Oh. What Ashford just told us does make sense, as far as it goes. Sure, that's right. What crashed through the window and how it was made to do so is, of course, quite a mystery. That's just what the inspector said the cop said for. <laughs> Next, every sand was a plane out of control like the one that bumped into the Empire State Building. Only this plane came right through the window and blew up in Waterbury's face. If you don't like what uh, I say, get in call them up and tell them. Don't take it out on me. Axford, uh, forget it. Where's that record, the one that Burke told you? Uh, soon they have it in headquarters, Reed. I see. Well, you'd better go down to headquarters and keep tabs on things. And see if it can come back with a theory we can figure out next time. I'll bring the news as I get it. That I will. Yeah, but get it straight. Now get going. Keep me posted, Axford. Okay, Reed. That I will. And you, Gunnigan, I'll be seeing you later. What do you think about that voice business, Chief? Right now, I don't know what to think. We'll just have to wait and see what the police turn up. I'd like to know more about the candidates for the office of district attorney, Gunnigan. One of our reporters could get a lead on that voice. It would... Oh, wait a minute. Yes, Mr. Reed. Miss Case, I want you to get me all the data on Payson and Waterbury and the men who were to be their assistants. Well, I can get that for you all right in my file. Good. Not else? right now. Well, I'll get that data for you right away. Sorry, Chief. I think you'd be wasting your time trying to get a lead on the voice. Frankly, I don't think the guy who made that record had anything to do with the explosion that killed Waterbury. Well, that remains to be seen, Cunningham. Well, I'm going back to the city room. See you later, Chief. Waterbury, Mr. Reed. Well, thank you, Miss Case. I've gone through all the rest, but it hasn't told me much. Oh, I'll get it. Mr. Reed's office? Yes, let me talk to Reed. Oh, just a minute. It's Axford for you, <laughs> Mr. Reed. Hello, Axford. What's up? Reed, I thought you'd like to know the cops made precautions of everybody's voice on the patient trial. So as to compare them with that record of the voice. Have they found anyone whose voice is similar? Not yet. Well, listen, Axford. Arrange with Sergeant Burke for me to come down there and hear the test. Sure. He'd be glad to have you, Reed. Hold on a minute, Reed. Axford left the phone for a minute. Maybe there's some news coming in from headquarters. Oh, wait. Hello? Hello, Axford. Reed, Sarge just came in and told me something that'll knock your hat off. I'm waiting. He says the chief of police just got one of them precedent records from the voice. I gotta go. So long, Reed. But wait. Axford, I... Uh, He hung up. What did he tell you? The man who calls himself a voice has had another recorded threat. This time to the chief of police himself. Rick Reed went to police headquarters where he listened as the various recordings were compared to those made by the voice. Later, he stood in the press room at headquarters talking to Axford and Sergeant Burke. Have you confined your investigation to the patient crowd entirely, Sergeant? Not entirely, Mr. Reed. But it's been determined that whatever it was that exploded in Waterbury's office 
came through the window from the outside. Yeah. And that big window is only 18 stories from the ground. That would seem impossible. No, it's impossible, Reed. That's what I keep telling Sarge. In spite of what you say, Ashford, the experts we send up there from headquarters all agree on that fact. They know what they're talking about, Ashford. Okay. So they know what they're talking about. To my way of thinking, Sarge, you ought to get Payson and give him a grilling. That voice guy wanted him to win the election, looks like. You do your reporting, Ashford. Let us cops decide who's going to be grilled. Ashford, Payson may not have had any knowledge of what was going on. Naturally, he'd take support in the election from anybody. He's the type. Yeah, good thing he lost. Of course, we don't know much about Eaton, the assistant DA who will now move up into Waterbury's place. But I, I guess he's okay. I'd like to meet Eaton. Ashford, we'll drive over and see him before we go back to the center. Okay, Reed. Well, thanks for your courtesy, Sergeant. We'll see you again. Come on, Ashford. had gone to police headquarters to listen to the recording of The Voice. He expressed the desire to meet Mr. Eaton, who was now acting district attorney, and suggested that he and Axford pay Eaton a visit. A short time later, Brick Reed and Axford sat in the district attorney's office talking to Eaton. I hope, Mr. Eaton, your office will put its full weight behind the hunt for Waterbury's killers. If you don't do something soon, Mr. Eaton, that their voice might get notions about you. I'm not afraid of that. Here are the papers you wanted, Mr. Eaton. Oh, thanks, Tut. Hey, now, I know you. You're Mr. Tutwiler, the bookkeeper in Waterbury's brokerage office. Mr. Tutwiler is now working here with me. He's my right-hand man. Tut, meet Mr. Reed and Mr. Axford from the Daily Sentinel. Uh, how, how do you do, Waller? Well, I saw Mr. Axford at campaign headquarters. He was there when... when Mr. Waterbury... Sure, uh, I was there, all right. I understand you were present when Mr. Waterbury received that record. Well, yes, I warned him to take it more seriously than he did, sir. I felt sure the voice and his followers were ruthless and strong. I see. Well, I'm glad to have had this talk with you, Mr. Eaton. You can count on the Sentinel to back you up if you follow through with the cleanup campaign you've outlined. Thank you, Mr. Eaton. I'm delighted you dropped in to see me. Come in again. We'll meet again, I'm sure. Come on, Axford. That evening, Britt Reed went to his apartment where Cato, his faithful Filipino ballot, and the only person knowing his identity as the Green Hornet was waiting. Police not find anyone who talked like the voice? Not yet, Cato. Now that the chief of police has received one of those recordings, they're making an extensive search. You look like the voice wanted Payson to win election and be district attorney meeting. I'm not so sure. Cato, I'd like to have one of those recordings so we can experiment a bit. The records are being kept as evidence, no doubt. Yes. They won't put them out of their hands. But I'd still like to get one of them. Where do they keep records? In a small room on the ground floor just off the fingerprinting department. We went in there to play them. They're in a file case there. Oh, Green Hornet's not there to approach police departments, building. The Hornet dares to do many things, Cato. When it's necessary. You take risks, then? What do you think? I'm ready. Let's go. Stepping through a secret panel in the rear of a closet in his bedroom, Rick Reed and Cato went along a narrow passageway built within the walls of the apartment itself. This passage led to an adjoining building which fronted on a dark side street. Though supposedly abandoned, this building served as the hiding place for the sleek, superpowered black beauty, streamlined car of the Green Hornet. 
Miss Reed pressed a button. The great car roared into life. A section of the wall in front raised automatically, then closed as the gleaming black beauty sped into the darkness. Headquarters, Cassidy. Here, what you want, Charge? Take this list into the dispatcher's room. Have them radio the men in these scout cars to pick up every suspicious character in their district and bring them in for questioning. Okay, Charge. What's that? Captain at the back. Down the hole. Come on, Charge. Great day. What next? In here, Charge. I was in here matching up some fingerprints when I heard something in the other room. I opened the door and saw the green hornet climbing out of the window. The green hornet? Why did he come here? Get the devil from the team. Quiet, everybody. What was he doing in there? Do you know? The top file door was open. He took one of them records of the voice. What? Shut up, all of you. Cassidy, tell the dispatchers to put out a call to all cars to hunt the hornet. Okay, sir. I'll tell the chief about it. At least we know now that the Hornet's connected with the voice in his gang. And if it's the last thing we do, we'll hunt him down one way or another. A short time later, Vic Reed and Cato arrived at their apartment with the recording of The Voice. Put the record on the phonograph, Cato. I want to study that voice. Oh, yes, sir. I uh, start it now. Oh, yes. Here. 
For a butcher, Miss Hutweiler, you seem very efficient at building model planes. That's a fine job you have there on the bench. Well, it's just a hobby. I, I, I suppose the assistant DA has the same hobby. That is. What kind of you to mean? Or is he applying his knowledge of radar and electronics so your model planes can be radio controlled? He found out. I admire your cleverness, Ethan, but not the use you put it to. It was one of those radio controlled model planes that carried the explosive in the Waterbury's office and killed him. I admire your cleverness, too, Hornet, in being able to figure that out. But why did you come here? What do you want? Protection, perhaps? For me in my capacity as a man, Eaton, you won't be in a position to give anybody protection. Eaton, don't let this criminal tell you what you're you. Meek little crack brains like you to get the delusions of power at the expense of those who trust them. That voice business certainly wasn't your idea. It, it, it was Eaton. He would have made you the fall guy eventually. But now both you of you... won't live to tell what you know. A bullet from this gun. Oh, no, you don't. Stop that gun. My heart is... Oh, oh. Now this will settle you. Look on it. You can work with it. We let Very you... Very clever, Making the police think the voice was probably backing the opposition. When all the time you worked for Waterbury's election. I think that you can work with You it. wanted him to win so Eaton would be his assistant. Then by killing Waterbury, Eaton could take over as DA. You're through. As of now, I'll take it. No, no, no. Yes, I... Oh, oh. Cato. You all right? Yes. Give me that record. Here it is. I'll put this there so the police can pick it up. Then you can phone them to come here and pick up these killers. When the experts from headquarters see this equipment, they'll get the whole picture and make these rats talk. record on show him how it's done, Sarge. Sure, sure. Uh, now, listen. As it plays, I'm going to gradually increase the speed of the turntable. Now, listen to it. Clever, all right. 
You see, he recorded that speech at a faster speed than normal and talked fast at the same time. Then when it was played back at normal speed, it gave that deep tone to his voice. That's why we couldn't tell whose voice it was. Well, it's beyond me how you ever did figure out who was behind the murder sergeant. <laughs> That's something ordinary people like us can't ever do, Reed. <laughs> Anyhow, the Green Hornet helped him out in a way. The Green Hornet? Sure. He stole that record from the little fire room here at headquarters last night and left it at Tuckwiler's place when he had a fight with his pals. The less said about the Green Hornet getting that record, the better I can. Oh, don't worry, Sergeant Burke. It won't be mentioned. We can forget that as long as you were clever enough to figure out the rest of the case. <laughs> clever people always amaze me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm even more amazed, actually, that so many clever people use their cleverness to commit crimes. <laughs> you sure must be amazed at the green harness, then, Reed. <laughs> He's a clever one, that guy. <laughs> I'm sure the Hornet would appreciate the compliment, Axford. That is, of course, if you heard you say it. Uh, maybe Axford thinks you'll meet up with the Hornet. Tell him about it, Reed. Well, I'm afraid any meeting I'd have with the Green Hornet would, as a magician says, have to be done with mirrors. Ah, listen to that now. He do it with mirrors, he says. <laughs> Ain't that something sad? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mr. Reed always has a ready answer to silly questions. <laughs> sure. And that shows how clever he is, sir. That it does, Axford. That it does. <laughs> The Green Hornet careened onto America's airwaves in 1936 and didn't leave until 1956. Britt Reed, the daring young publisher, owned the Daily Sentinel. As such, he could find out interesting stories and uncover corruption. If the police wouldn't take an interest in his muckraking, then it was time to don the mask and, as with, and with his faithful valet, Cato, do some investigation as the Green Hornet. But Cato was not your typical sidekick. He graduated from college, he was an expert chemist, and is excellent and an excellent stunt driver. Who else could handle the Hornet's car, the Black Beauty? And boy could he fight. If you have to get Bruce Lee to play the character on television, you know he can fight. The love interest, such as it was, was Lenore Case, but Reed always referred to her as Miss Case, and that gives you an idea of the level of romance in the show. As a point of interest, both The Green Hornet and The Lone Ranger were created by George W. Trendle, and both shows were largely written by Fran Stryker. Both characters wore masks, had fast transportation, great partners, and fought for truth and justice. You could say that it ran in the family. Britt Reed, The Green Hornet, is the grand-nephew of The Lone Ranger. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.